running team at iRobot. And before coming to iRobot uh, with them, um, and also, uh, I, uh, before interning with iRobot, I was a grad student at uh, Rochester Institute of Technology, as where well I studied uh, robotics and all this cool deep learning stuff. Cool. Uh, before, yeah. Uh, I, I noticed that, uh, you know, iRobot, uh, and, uh, I've read a lot of Rodney, uh, Rodney Brooks' uh, books, uh, More Than Human, uh, was really interesting, his work with Kismet. And then when he built his company, iRobot, I followed him on Twitter a little bit, Twitter. And uh, he he was the, one of the first to come up with asynchronous state machinery where instead of trying to do everything from neural nets, he did things from uh, what he called asynchronous state machines, which is basically what mobile programming is today where you have lots of different states running uh asynchronously and uh you know it's it's real interesting that uh that you your interest interest is reinforced learning how does that fit in uh kind of like um how did you get started into reinforced learning and you know maybe what is the hello world of equivalent of reinforced reinforced learning so I started like working with reinforcement learning when uh, I actually took a class in uh, my grad studies, uh, which was not actually focused on reinforcement learning as such, but it was mostly deep learning concepts. And that is when I actually did my first reinforcement learning project. And I was really excited with like the whole concept of reinforcement learning and how it could be applied. And because I was a robotics uh, student anyway, it just... Uh, clicked with my interest and I started doing it. I did a hobby project, but it did not work well. And then I was hired uh, as an intern at Arrow. So that is how my journey started. But like a reinforcement learning in nutshell is like a pretty awesome thing. And you could, it's, it is undervalued right now, I feel, but you could actually do a lot with reinforcement learning. Yeah, with reinforced learning, uh, you have a set of policies and then uh, those policies have a reward or a punishment. And uh, what would you say would be like, uh, you mentioned that you had a project that failed and failed miserably. Uh, what was that project? So I was trying to uh, create like uh, my own uh, and robot, which would uh, have okay. like, so it would, it would walk without me actually coding how to walk. And I was trying to do that, but Back then, I wasn't like uh, aware about much of the simulation engines and physics world engines that are like cool things that are available. And I was just trying to do with like a random actual data that uh, my gyro, uh, which was on the robot, was producing. And so that is that is why it failed. It was like I I could have used a simulator and different parameters because I know I was just trying to deal with a small bunch of data. But with if you're using a simulator, you could probably tweak all the physics parameters and uh, put more load on it and play with anything that you want. And that is how it learns like a better policy. So that was one reason it failed. Other reason was I, I was just like a beginner. So I did not have like much understanding on like how I should go about this particular problem, what could be a better reward function. And that still remains like a thing The during a reward function is like the most, I feel it's the most intuitive uh, and the difficult part of the entire process. You know, when you're talking about uh, 
your aunt uh, reminds me of Brooks' original work where he uh, he did a cockroach, um, six leg cockroach, and again he was using this the state machinery, so uh, it would work a lot like the semaphoring that uh, you have on a traffic light, where you know you're moving uh, from one state to an, another. And so the legs would move, but one of the things that was kind of uh, innovative about his robot was uh, he was planning to put it on the moon. And so uh, if he had one of the actuators fail, that the robot could continue to work. So uh, he had different state machinery that would then kick in. So if one leg failed, then another uh, one would start to compensate and you know maintain the balance and locomotion. And it worked really well, uh, you know, and then his next level was uh, COG. Um, and this one was kind of fits more along uh, the line that you're talking about. Uh, COG could watch him. Uh, so he had a, like a camera and he could he would teach it to do certain movements. And it had kind of a conditioned uh, response. In other words, he could show it something and it could repeat it. So I say it, but Cog could repeat it. It wasn't, you know, alive. It was just, uh, you know, a state machinery. But it was uh, incredible because uh, it learned to do enough adjustments that it could juggle three balls at one time. Hmm. And that was back in the day was, you know, before uh, neural nets and, I, you know, big, big, uh, like you were saying, big physics engines and lots of simulation. And this and this machine uh, wasn't programmed to know how to do this. It it uh, it learned, and that was kind of the amazing thing is that the state machinery uh, could adapt enough that it had a level of intelligence very similar to reinforced learning. Yeah, it's certainly impressive. And I mean, I mean, now that you mentioned it was before uh, the neural networks were actually in place. This is like certainly impressive. And in like neural networks and reinforcement learning, we call like this concept as an imitation learning, that you have uh, an expert doing your, uh, like doing the task and then there is an agent like, or for example, say you are driving a car and I am sitting beside you seeing how you're driving a car and then I just pick up and then drive a car better than you. Like something similar that what you mentioned is called an imitation learning and reinforcement. Yeah, I, and there's companies that are doing that. Uh, there was one uh, that I was following, Coma Two, Coma Two, uh, where you, it it learns uh, from the way you drive for 16 minutes. So it, what it does is it it fits in the window, uh, it connects to your driver assisted uh, computer, and it can turn left and right. It can accelerate. It can brake, but it it learns. Uh, how human beings drive. So it's not trying to make a genetic algorithm and trying to do predictions on what would be the best way to drive. Instead, it's looking at uh, data that's collected and learning from the way people drive. And from there, uh, the assumption is that people drive very efficiently and so it can learn from that that knowledge set. So the more people that are driving, the more the smarter it gets. 
Yeah, I mean, I believe it's a kind of a reinforcement learning again because it's trying to make a sequential decision process. I haven't looked at uh, what actually they're using or if it's available in the public domain, but it's, yeah, it's certainly impressive. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen the videos. Uh, it's it's kind of a dash cam, isn't it? Like with yeah, put it's it like on, more like yeah. a dash cam, but it, it, right. it can. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so it does have kind of like a, I think it has two cameras and it it does uh, it does path prediction, and uh, it can it can do turns, it can do parking. It's always pretty right, impressive yeah. that one. Yep, it is. And I mean, I'm assuming it's if it's reinforcement learning, it has uh, like I mean, in reinforcement learning, you need more data, right? So if, if this is using reinforcement learning also, then whatever a human is doing is just acting as its data source. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what was your what was your response uh, or uh, when you heard when you saw Open AI with the reinforced learning where they 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 took uh, a number of different experts, you know, on the plane of uh, of the game. I think it was StarCraft, and uh, yeah. and then they they um, then they set up a couple of reinforced learning networks, and then they figured out which one was the you know the strongest, and then they turned it against uh, the the best players in the world, and it defeated them. You know, was that kind of a yeah. surprise to you that it could do that? I mean, as at first, yes, it was. But then the stuff that uh, the folks at OpenAI have been doing, like this, the, this one, the thing that you mentioned is is like the awesome thing because it beats a human. But then there are more uh, robotics related stuff that um, the OpenAI has done, which is like incredible. For example, I was... Uh, I guess it was a couple, uh, a year or a half or a couple of years ago that they came up with this uh, hand manipulation robot, which was completely trained in simulation with reinforcement learning. And uh, the what this robot did was it was given uh, a kind of a cube and the cubes had like uh, nine faces, each labeled with uh, a character. And uh, the, it was given a, an input, which was the character that it wants to turn the cube into. And just using like uh, five fingers with the robotic hand, it manipulated and changed it to that face. So it was it was so impressive. I mean, even as a human, it is so difficult to like just rotate the cube with your fingers, but it was a robot doing it, just training on simulation. It was awesome. Yeah, uh, I've seen that. I've seen that uh, um, uh, where they have that robot, you know, and it was. Um... Uh, the dexterity was really amazing. You know, in and, and connecting uh, a long time ago, they had robots and they uh, were connecting it using air, air. So they have a string and an air. And so as the air contractor pushed, you know, it, it could uh, uh, move the actuator. So it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily operating on gears, but it was almost like a puppet. And um, at that time I was thinking, you know, this will be really interesting because it will, it will allow it to have a lot more degrees of freedom in its movement. Yeah. And uh, just recently, you know, they use that piezoelectric along with that. And so, you know, it's, it's fairly strong. It's got like a, uh, almost like a muscle-like behavior. Yeah, it's certainly impressive. It's like this, this work that OpenAI does is like really impressive and like, even in uh, the games like Dota or 
uh, other multiplayer multi-agent games they have really done a great job yeah so you know one of the things that uh, uh, I was just talking to one of my friends and we were you know talking just before the show and uh, we were saying you know uh, where where is uh, the the real value where do you see the value for business that reinforced learning can be used in uh, would you put it in financials and then uh, you know give it goals and objectives and then it, it uh, would go through and try to figure out, you know, what configurations would be the optimum solutions, you know, uh, what, what type of, of things that you see uh, would add value in the business? I know you're in the robot robotic area, but what, what could you see like, uh, uh, you know, people that would pay money to have a reinforced learning network built? So like there are many applications apart from robotics, as you know, like uh, one that, Oh, impresses me is uh, the stock price prediction using reinforcement learning. And that is something that every company or every investor would want in their kitty, right? Because uh, there are so many moving factors uh, where just like the regression model doesn't take into account. For example, uh, the volume of your uh, stocks changes. Uh, sometimes you predict that the stock is going up but doesn't go up and you don't have any trained on it in the past. So Reinforcement learning can like, because it's kind of a sequential decision-making uh, process, it can help you understand when you want to buy stocks or when you want to sell it and make money. So that is one of the uh, best applications of reinforcement learning. Um, the, the other thing that I recently came across, uh, and I didn't know that I was using a reinforcement learning-based news recommendation system. You have uh, the data analysis, uh, scientists, uh, data engineering guys working on recommendation systems. But uh, nowadays, it's turning towards reinforcement learning also. So that is adding values to every business because, you know, you want your customers to get customized uh, recommendations, be it Amazon or be shopping on Walmart website or any other websites. So it's certainly impressive on how you could use reinforcement learning in different applications in finance and shopping and robotics as like comes to that saying. You know, it's uh, uh, when I was in junior high, I, I did a, I, I was like the Val Victorian at junior high. I shared it with another person. And uh, I, I looked at my speech and I was talking about how in the next upcoming decades that, uh, that there would be computers in every home. And I said that there would also be robots in every home. Uh, they would be very common. They would do lots of different uh, uh, performing tasks. You see, like, for example, uh, we can't afford them right now, but there are robots that, uh, you know, they'll cook. They can cook a full meal. They can chop the, the, the vegetables up. They can stir the sauces. They can measure, uh, you know, and it's not. A whole series of machines that's just you know two two arms and uh, and the hands. Yep, yeah, that's impressive. I mean, the, I mean, it's not just this cooking robot, right? There, uh, there are a few companies working on a butler. Uh, there are a few like other other robots that are trying to come like into your house and be one of like a pet for you. Do you ever get uh, afraid of robots? I mean, you know, there's this huge fear uh the robots will take over you know what well, they'll become 
Skynet, and then the, they'll they'll like uh, uh, be a you know the worst weapon ever devised because they can learn, and that learning is uh, you know tied to the the computational power. But you know it doesn't seem to me that a, a, a robot has common sense. You still need a human being in the loop, right? Uh, I won't completely deny that you need a human in the loop, but uh, and I hope like. So I feel AI has a, a power to do that, but I hope it's not used in that way because robots, I mean, uh, first class of robotics, I was taught that the robots are not supposed to harm humans. That is the first application. Yeah. So I hope people abide to that because you don't want uh, robots to be dangerous, but robots are really cool things. Like they are human uh, creation. So probably should treat as an art work also. And as you as, like, as you mentioned, uh, the robots can become, but I don't think uh, artificial general intelligence is yet possible to for robots to mimic. Well, you know, it's like uh, Rodney. Uh, he's got uh, uh, he he built what the Heartland robots, and his statement there was that robots have to be safe. You can interact with these robots. You know, yes, they're they're powerful. They have actuators. They can uh, move heavy things and but they uh, also sense the person where they're at uh, what they're doing uh, they have a you know they have a, a visual feedback system with eyes and a little mouth and and it it gives you this kind of anthropological uh, feel you know it's like a, a human feel and I think that's kind of the human maybe naivety or, or na- naiveness uh, is that we assume everything's safe. I mean, when robots first came out, people would sometimes would go in. It's tragic, but they would go in where the robot was uh, working, you know, doing particular task, and the robot had no sense that the human being was there, and they were killed. Um, and then, but you know, it was just the idea that they felt safe and comfortable with the robot, so they went in there. And uh, not realizing, you know, the potential that machine could hurt them. Uh, There were some cases where um, they put robots in military and the robot did not accurately differentiate between friendly and and foe. And uh, it it fired on friendlies. Um, But yet, you know, you see the application of robots continue to, to be very pervasive. Like they put them in, they're going to put them in tanks uh, for automatic uh, a, uh, aiming. Uh, they put them on ships. So in the case where if a missile is coming in or uh, if, if it, the probability is that, uh, that the human operators can't move fast enough to uh, stop incoming attack, the robot will take over. And so you, there is that potential, uh, but I think we, 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 we tend to believe that technology is safe. I mean, it's safe till the time you have programmed it or you've, the application of it is safe, right? And I feel it depends. Like uh, you, you just can't put a system or a robot which is uh, not tested into such applications so you need to thoroughly first test everything that goes into production or even for like military usage. So certainly. 
Yeah, uh, you know, it's like Toyota has traveled uh, what a, a, a over a they said trillion miles in its self-driving car, and uh, you have Tesla that's it's a now what over a hundred thousand miles a day in its simulation data it's accumulating. Uh, you have Waymo, you have Coma too. Um, what is your feeling like reinforced learning? Where where will it go with the driving? Will it will it uh, uh, be a part of semis will it be part of trains will it be part of airplanes will we have you know will we have lots of reinforcement learning networks or will we just have one i mean i i believe uh, right now it could be many reinforcement learning networks and they could be used in planes um, cars anywhere you want and i mean it's as i said it's just a resource that is undervalued and needs more attention or it it is getting some attention now. People are liking it. People are using it. But definitely, it has a lot in each of the cases. But the like the only downside uh, for reinforcement learning was it is that it needs a lot and lots lots of data, and uh, needs a lots of interactions with the environment. It needs a lots of rewards signals to learn, which was which actually uh, limits the uses of reinforcement learning, but. Recently, uh, there's also been a lot of work on something called as batch enforcement learning. So you have data which is already collected. You don't have to do um, interactions with the environment while the agent is training. And by agent, I mean any algorithm that is trying to uh, master the task. So which is a cool concept because now uh, we're just trying to uh, change a reinforcement learning problem into something similar to supervised learning where you have uh, your target data and you want to generalize your network or adapt your network to similar process or decision process that you have in your patch or your data set. So that is reducing your uh, the agent or the reinforcement learnings uh, dependency on online training, which is, as I said, training while, while interacting with the environment. So that when that comes into process, we could use all. We could leverage the data that the pilots have been generating over the years of flying. We could use the data that uh, the uh, drivers have been doing over the years, and like you could use all this data to train models. But I, I still think uh, training generalized reinforcement learning model for entire flying or for entire driving of car is still far. Uh, when. Uh... You know, you uh, one of the problems I uh, I read, you know, with Tesla when they when it ran into the fire truck. Do you remember that where it ran into the back of the fire truck? Yeah, I thought of it. Yeah, and then it, but but it basically, from its training, it thought it was a sign, from what I understood from some people that were talking about it on the internet. Um, there was one where <clears throat> it, it, in fact, it kind of accelerated, but. Uh, it thought it was a sign that it was safe to pass under it. So it accelerated. It, it braked uh, like one second before impact and then accelerated. So, it, you know, uh, one other one I, I heard was they were uh, a car truck was backing out. And as the the neural net or the, you know, the systems uh, didn't recognize what the truck looked like from the side. It knew what a truck looked like from the back, but not from the side. And so I started thinking, you know, like, you know, when you do convolution neural nets and stuff, it, you, you feed it lots of lots of data. 
but one of the things is is you don't always feed it from uh, multiple perspectives yeah and uh, uh i'm wondering if that's what it, if uh, computers will somewhat dream in other words you know we can do morphing right onto 3d objects will we be doing a lot of virtual reality morphing and uh, virtual simulations feeding that into the reinforcement learning network where it's learning in virtual reality and then that matches up close enough to physical reality that we say hey we've tested it in virtual reality it works great i think we can use this now in uh in in the real thing uh i mean one kind of uh, a solution is that you train everything in simulation and then just pass it over on uh on like take the trained model from the simulated world and put it on the real world but there is also something uh in reinforcement learning that is called as a gold condition reinforcement learning and what it does is you don't give it a specific task at the beginning so so for example you have a robot which wants to open a door right and could do many things but it just tries to understand what the environment is learning the environment in its latent space so in re- uh, in deep learning latent spaces anything that is uh between your actual under- like the data that you can understand right so say hidden layers uh the data of the hidden layers so it could uh use that data to train itself than uh, rendering the images of what it could think and take the decision so it can learn in the latent space than actually rendering the images so yeah it could be used well you know that uh boston dynamics had the robot where it opened the door and that kind of like freaked people out because here's a robot and it had a goal right and it wanted to get through the door and it had an arm and it figured out how to turn the knob open the door and then go through yep. the door so that was pretty amazing i mean boston dynamics robots are really cool they're awesome yeah i'd have to agree with you they and it, it but it seems like uh uh so that uh, i heard that the reinforced learning is a lot like conditioning like a dog it's conditioning like what they say it's con- like conditioning like a pet the way you would train it is, a pet but i mean uh let me think with i i completely disagree with what you said it's like training a pet but i guess it's more beyond training a pet because uh i mean in for pets there can be a room that they don't obey uh for like some order after it's being trained but you don't want that to happen in a reinforcement learning model that is put in production you don't want it to like make some errors because errors are going to impact a lot but while it's training yes it's the same like you ask your pet to do some task and if it does something nice you give uh, uh the food that the pet likes so it's it, and which is like kind of a reward because if you're doing a task like very well you get a good reward but if you are failing at the task you get a bad reward so for example for a pet you just get food for that night i, I hope no one does it but it could be that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and he probably says the master is very good to me <laughs> and uh wag his tail you know it's like iron man you know he he uh, scolds the computer or robot and it you know it it has that conditional programming 
where you know it responds to the praise as a reward and the and the criticism as a punishment right. you know, or a penalty. Uh, well, you you um, what was your first reinforcement learning program that you did, and what did you program oh, it in? It's funny. I mean, it's start to learn programming. You do Hello World. That is the first thing you learn. And similar in reinforcement learning, it's the yeah. grid world problem. So you have a, a like a grid of say a three by three, and you have some uh, blockers, and you want to go from any point to one of the grids. So you just do like. So the first thing I did was, uh, if I remember right, right was TD uh, learning, so temporal difference learning, and it's like simple. Just try to get get closer to. Uh, the goal that is your end state. Yeah, that is like the the first one I did. But in deep uh, deep reinforcement learning, uh, using deep neural networks, I guess I just just took uh, the DQN uh, re- uh, repository from GitHub off the shelf and I just ran it because I just was excited to see it playing a Thadi game. Cool. Yeah. And for like, I guess for anyone who wants to get into uh, reinforcement learning, they should definitely first try and understand how the reinforcement learning works, how it the problem is not just to get decisions, but to also maximize um, the rewards uh, in future steps. So you just want you just don't want to get it right, but you want to make sure that you are going in the right path from the beginning itself. So would you say that reinforcement learning is a lot about searching different paths to see what the outcomes are? So in other words, that's why it was so successful in chess is it looked at uh, uh, a series of different paths and then it looked at a, a reward or a, a point value. When it, when it did go, it looked down a, a multiple, mo- multiple pathways in, in the tree and then uh, kind of figured out which pathways might be more beneficial overall. Kind of had this ability to look, uh, see the whole picture. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's, uh, I mean, you want to explore uh, your space, and uh, you would only know if uh, you know there is something positive or there's a positive reward if you explore. And so, I mean, even in robotics, in any other application, uh, you need exploration to understand what are the different options that you have available because as you see reinforcement learning is like teaching uh, yourself so if you don't explore the domain just behind or just uh, above or past what you see you won't get an optimal solution that might be outside the room for example so you want to explore and get the positive or the most of the reports What what did you get your? Uh, well, I'm not a PhD at. yet. I'm just a master's. I definitely want to get PhD, but okay. if I do, I'll probably be reinforcement learning. Nice. I I uh, my my uh, I have a friend. He's he just got in his PhD program, and uh, uh, I've I've started studying Keras and deep learning, and I've been telling him, you know, hey, you got to get into this uh, reinforced learning and and uh, deep learning because that's you know it it handles all this machine learning so you you know but it seems like machine learning is so popular i would say in business 
that you can't really get beyond the support vector machines. You know, people are kind of locked into support vector machines and XP boost and, you know, very fast. I mean, it depends, right? Because if you are just, uh, I mean, if you're not a, uh, like machine learning engineer or research, you just want an off the shelf algorithm that, you know, the tools like uh, sklearn are providing you. But if you are like actually trying to develop something that is out of the box, you will probably need your own uh, understanding of how the machine learning or deep learning actually works. And then you would do your like model accordingly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Garrison okay. TensorFlow is yeah. certainly impressive. PyTorch also is impressive. And there are a few tools also which uh, like use PyTorch and TensorFlow. And uh, they have a few famous uh, uh, models or algorithms in the kitty. So and that could be something that one could use to reinforcement learning. They don't have to write anything from scratch. They could just use off-the-shelf tools. Like um, if to mention one or two is um, RL Coach is from Nirvana Systems, which was acquired by Intel. And then there is uh, something called Ray, which is... Uh, developed by the students of uh, University of California, Berkeley. Uh, uh, well, there are many more. The DeepMind has their own on TensorFlow-based other kit. Uh, they call it Truffle. Which would you recommend for a beginner? Uh, for beginner, I would. I mean, if you do, uh, just use some off-the-shelf famous uh, models or agents, you could use either RL Coach or uh, Ray RLL, but if you want to do your own stuff, Truffle is really good. But Truffle is limited to TensorFlow, while RL Coach and uh, Ray have both Torch and TensorFlow, PyTorch and TensorFlow. So if you feel comfortable with PyTorch and ten, like, then you could go with RL Coach and Ray or Ray. Uh, you know, PyTorch is really becoming more is popular. You know. Uh, what what is uh, your opinion on open AI? So open AI again, uh, as I said, that like the there's a it's one word that I can describe the entire open AI group as. They have talented folks um, trying to solve real world problems, and they're trying to, like impress with their publications that work every day. Okay. Uh, they have reinforced learning. I mean, they have OpenAI gym itself, the okay. gym which is a simulation simulating environment that one uses for any of reinforcement learning algorithms. And when okay, yeah, a little. I haven't done reinforced learning yet, so uh, that that'll be something. Would you recommend doing PyTorch or OpenAI or uh, one of the Software I mean, you just previously so, mentioned. Uh, OpenAI, like OpenAI, they have uh, something that is called as Jim, which is uh, a toolkit for developing uh, like reinforcement learning algorithms, right? So you, you could use that, but um, you could also use OpenAI Jim for uh, like with RL Coach or RL Kit to do simulations and to train an agent in simulation. So it's all compatible with each other. And I guess I'm I'm pretty sure 
Uh, Aril Coach and Aril awesome. Kid both have Open AI Gym as one of the dependencies. No, so which one is easier to understand? RL Kit oh, well, or RL I, I, Jam? Well, uh, so RL Coach. Are they, well, I, which are maybe more just, popular? Uh, clarify this. Uh, there's RL Coach, there is Ray, there is RL Kit, and there is Truffle. So there are like four that I mentioned. Okay. And I feel RL Kit is more easier. Then I would choose uh, Ray, uh, RL Coach. And uh, but if you want to do anything like research based and you want to take use Q networks or Q update rules off the shelf, then Truffle. Yeah, Truffle. Okay. Well, our time's up. This has been super interesting. Uh, I'm gonna go and uh, either look at uh, RL Kit or RL uh, Coach or and uh, look look to see what it takes to get started in Truffle. Does Truffle take a lot of setup to run on your PC? Uh, it can be run on run PC, but as I said, it is a development platform and not like an RL, uh, uh, like a kitty, which would give you off the algorithms. So if you want to just run uh, some famous deep learning algorithms like PPO or Software to Critic or... Uh, any A3C or other stuff, then you would definitely want to go with uh, RL Coach or uh, Ray. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I enjoyed uh, talking with you about reinforced learning. And uh, do you have a website uh, or do you just, uh, are you just a professional So I am developing a website. It's still in pro- uh, process. So, but you could uh, have an audience connect to me on LinkedIn. Uh, yep. Okay. Thank you very much for your uh, interview. And thanks a lot, David. Very it was nice talking to you today. Bye.